If you've been with us any length of time, you know that we're uh, in the midst of a series called Kingdom Prep Academy. It has that, uh, this, this tagline, prepare for heaven, flourish now. What does that mean? Um, well, it just so happens that uh, there's all these systems of sin and patterns of behavior, habits that we get into that leave us um, messed up. And, and as a result, we, uh, we, we have lives that are kind of disrupted, like messy, uh, not the way that God intended them. And the, that's all going to be wiped away uh, when we move to heaven. But God is actually looking for people who are ready for heaven now. He's actually going to reward them in heaven. Uh, there will be a superlative experience of heaven for those who really um, try to live the way that he wants to live. And what he does is, is he sends Christ, and Christ gives us practical, straight up, here's some, some do- stuff you can do today that's going to start changing your heart and make that happen. It can only happen with the Holy Spirit. It only happens for Christians. You have to believe in Jesus to receive the Spirit, to, to access this teaching. Um, but it really is God's plan for uh, molding and shaping our hearts. And it's, uh, it's, it's drawn from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus um, kind of gives like a, you know, all the teaching, not all of it, but a big chunk of his teaching of what life ought to be like and what it will be like in the kingdom of God. Um, so let's continue uh, with part six. Uh, it's called for the, uh, for the Crowd. You notice I've broken up the text uh, six, one to six, and 16 to 18. That's because Jesus goes on like a little disquisition about prayer we're going to skip over because I don't want us to, to miss the, the grand logic, the, the strategy of what he's talking about here. We'll, we'll go back to prayer next week. So uh, let's, let's read the text. This is kind of like a, his, his opening statement. Be careful that you don't practice your virtue in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your heavenly Father. I'd just like to mention, these are my translations. I'm really just trying to make the, the, uh, the language up to date very much so we hear it the same way that people in Jesus' day would have heard it. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may get praise from people. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right one is doing. So you may give to the poor in secret. And your father who sees what you're doing in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. So that people will see them. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room. Shut the door. Pray to your father who is in that secret place. And your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And in keeping with the theme of, of uh, Kingdom Prep Academy, you'll flourish now. It doesn't mean you'll get rich, but it means that you'll be spiritually right. It means you'll be fulfilled in the way that God wants us to be fulfilled. And you'll be ready for heaven. Uh, there's going to be a reward there too. Something for people who take this teaching seriously. And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They contort and distort their faces, make themselves look sad, so people will know that they're fasting. I assure you that they have their reward When you fast, brush your hair, wash your face. Then you won't look like you're fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in the secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Doesn't, I mean, it's not, it seems like this kind of teaching, and just to begin, it seems like this teaching only matters to people who are in church, right? Because all the stuff that Jesus is talking about is like church stuff. Like, oh, giving to the poor, and praying, and fasting. And even now in churches, I mean, when was the last time anyone here did a fast? Like where you, you didn't eat for like a whole day? 
Yeah. I, uh, I did a fast um, in seminary once because I, I wanted to get spiritual. And they told me that that's how you do it. And man, after like about six hours, I was like, boy, this fast is hard. Don't you guys agree? Like, oh, we're not fasting? What? Oh, yeah, I haven't eaten for six hours. At 72 hours, man, I was a total mess. You know, the sugar crash, I was hangry. Um, and I let everyone know how I felt. Like, this is awful, and I can't wait for it to end. I deserve a great meal at the end of this because I'm so holy. But, but that's the only thing that church people would do, right? It's the only things that Christians would do. What, what, what a person who's not, like, super into church would have really anything to do with this. Plus, I mean, think about praying. Like, how often do you see people pray in public these days? It's like when, I'm, when I take uh, people out for coffee or whatever or lunch, I make the uh, prayer before the meal super fast because I don't want other people to start looking at us and thinking we're weird, and I want them to be uncomfortable. So sometimes I'll even just be like, Lord, thanks for this food, let's eat. Because, I mean, in, in, no one prays in public anymore. It's weird. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that's the way it is now. And so it seems like this teaching doesn't have a whole lot to do with us. Well, I suggest to you that it actually does. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to dig in, and as we journey through the text, I think we're going to see that. So uh, let's go back to the top here. Don't practice your virtue. Uh, the words there, uh, in older translations, you might see, um, do, your, uh, do your alms, or do your righteousness. Uh, it's stuff that we normally probably wouldn't say that much. But really what, what's going on in the context is, is there, there is a way of saying do religious things in Greek. This is not that. This is not Jesus saying, do religious stuff. He's saying, do virtue, do good stuff. This doesn't necessarily have to be religious stuff. This is just people do good things in a culture, right? Virtuous actions of sorts. And, and he gives three examples of what virtuous actions might entail, right? And then, so if we move forward in the text, for the first ones, give to the poor, okay? That's something that in, in Jesus' day, in his culture, it would be important to give to the poor to show that you were a decent human being. Unlike our uh, context, in Jesus' day, if you were born poor, you died poor. That's the case for most people, even today. But it, it now, at least in, in market economies, at least there's a chance where people can move um, in, in their social and economic mobility. And ideally, what we, as you know, in our culture, try to aim for is maximizing that. We want to see a lot of people be able to succeed. That was not the case in Jesus' day, especially for the, the sick and uh, those who maybe couldn't walk. Remember, in Jesus' day, uh, back in the first century, there were no desk jobs. No one was sitting there typing all day. Uh, you were carrying things, and it was backbreaking labor. You were farming. Um, so the, the poor were going to be the poor, and they weren't going to stop being the poor. And so it was important for the whole society that all good folks, all people of goodwill, would give and give to the poor. And so that's an example of doing a virtuous act or acting out your virtue. The next one, when you pray... Notice he says not if you pray, but when you pray. In Jesus' day, prayer was a very much a part of society. We live in, uh, uh, you know, the separation of church and state is a thing that we have here in the United States. And as a result, prayer is not something that takes place normally in the public square. In fact, uh, I think they have things like national prayer breakfasts. I think sometimes like our government opens in prayer before they don't pass laws. Um, I... I I think that the ACLU is going to put a stop to that soon. Uh, so prayer is not something that would take place in the public square here. But in, in Jesus' day, it did. Because in Jesus' day, the government and the church were the same thing. There was no separation between church and state. 
In fact, the people in Jesus' day who were the rulers were also religious leaders, right? And so when Jesus says, when you pray, he's talking about something that was very common for political people and, and winners in the culture, cultural elites to do publicly. And the things that they would pray for would be things like, God, these evil Romans, they have oppressed us for so long. Let us rise up in victory and destroy them. They would. They would do that. They'd be on the street corner and be like, you religious elites, you have oppressed us. You know, you have, you have done these things and we are tired of it and God will destroy you. Things like that. In fact, um, prayers in the ancient world in Jesus' day actually in some cases almost functioned in the same way that um, political speeches function for us now. Very interesting that um, it, was, it was almost like they had, in, because church and state were so to- tightly in- intertwined, that, that making a prayer in public was actually a way to get people to sort of be on your side in whatever fight you were fighting. Very different. The last thing, fasting. Yeah, nobody does that anymore. And, and even if we do, right, like that example, I was like doing my Christian thing, and uh, so I fasted. We tend to fast now for, um, if we do it, it's usually for like health reasons. Um, the modern day fast is the, uh, the cleanse. Has anyone here done a cleanse? Oh, I know some of you have. Uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of the modern day thing, where when we talk about fasting, it's usually to do some kind of way for us to get closer to God or... Um, you know, to, to deprive ourselves, to in, in, create some discipline in our lives. That's not the ancient world. In Jesus' day, when you f- were fasting, it's because something was very, very wrong with the world, and you wanted God to address it. And so what you would do is you would, um, you would go all out. You would stop everything in your normal life, and you would begin spending all the time that you would have been shoveling food in your face or trying to earn, you know, your living or whatever. You would spend all of that time in serious prayer, being like, hey, God, pay attention. I need your help. Look at me, please. We've got something we need to address here. It was, it was, a, it was an act of, of courageous, like, signaling to God, God, I need you because of this thing that's going on in our culture, in our lives. What's interesting about all of these things is that in Jesus' day, and this is the first thing on your, on your note sheets. In Jesus' day, charity, prayer, fasting, they signified love of Israel and loyalty to her laws. It was a signification. That's a really important concept. People weren't just doing charity and, and prayer and fasting in a vacuum. What they were doing is when those things were happening, it was showing everyone around them that you're a good person. Right? You're, you're the right kind of person. You're the kind of person we want on top, in charge of things. That's the kind of person you are. These are not, what Jesus is recognizing is something very profound. When you do stuff, especially good things, you're not doing it in a vacuum. People are seeing you do good stuff, and it's sending a message to them. And the three things that Jesus brings out are, these are practices that everyone in Israel would have said, oh yeah, that's, that's a good thing to do, totally, we should do that. The person who's doing that is a real solid human being. What a winner. That's the kind of person I want to be doing business with. That's the kind of person I want to be running the show. 
That's the kind of person that I wish was in a, in, a, in a privileged position of power. I wish that was the kind of person who would climb the social ladder and be at the top of the ladder. That's the guy we want. That's the lady who does it right. We want him or her. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that you were living in Israel and you wanted to, I don't know, become rich and famous. And you don't believe in God. You don't really like religion. You don't like the people around you. You're just a, you're an, you're a top to bottom an awful human being. What would you do to achieve your goal? You would give generously to the poor and make sure everyone saw it. You would give these moving, often political prayers keeping up phrase after phrase, florid language to show people how passionate you are to see change for Israel. You would walk around with an ashen face on your, on your, your hunger strike, waiting for the Romans to see that things need to change. Now, this next um, slide is cool. Don't practice your virtue in front of people to draw their attention. I mean, it doesn't get, it doesn't get more, more simple than that. But, uh, so what, what is Jesus? He uses some hyperbolic examples, but going on uh, for the, 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 the giving. Don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets so they may get praise from people. Uh, we're not sure if, uh, we don't have any records of people like going out, going basically outside the church the synagogue and the Jewish church, and like blowing a trumpet every time someone uh, gave, gave money. But if it happened, it's a lot like when you go to Cold Stone Creamery and they have a little tip jar. And if you give a tip, they'll give you like a show. They like start hitting um, their, their ice cream things against the stone. They flip some stuff up and they're like, yay, you're a good human being. I can't stop thinking about Cold Stone Creamery. I haven't had a carb in like six weeks, and uh, yeah, I think about maybe just going in there and tipping them and not ordering anything, just to be close to it, just to smell it. But that's the kind of thing, uh, we do know that in the synagogues, they, um, their, their almsgiving boxes were shaped like trumpets, um, and so it might be that uh, Jesus is being hyperbolic here, but it might just be that they actually did like, ding, 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 we got some money for the poor, look at that guy. Uh, next. Don't be a hypocrite. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street. Do you know uh, what the word hypocrite means? In the, it's a Greek word, hypocrites. It was invented in like 500, 600 BC. And it was the technical term for actors. Nobody? Actors and actresses were the original hypocrites. It's true. I'm not making that up. Uh, and, and that's because actors and actresses in the day, actually it was probably all male actors at the time, but they would put this mask on their face, and then they would go, and, and the mask would be like really sad, right? And uh, then they would go do the play like, you know, Oedipus the King or whatever it is. And, uh, and, and what, what the philosophers of the day notice is that what, you have no idea what's going on behind that mask. These actors, in fact, most of the philosophers thought that actors were all scumbags. Uh, that was a, a technical term if you read Aristotle. Um, actors equals scumbag. So I'm just kidding. It's not really. 
Actors and actresses aren't really scumbags, but, but he did hate them. And, uh, and, and the reason was is because you couldn't tell um, what was real and what wasn't. In fact, they made their living um, showing you a thing that wasn't the reality. And they did that with masks. And by the time of Jesus' day, um, the word hypocrites, what we get hypocrite, has come to mean somebody who um, has, a fa- has a mask on, and you really don't know what's behind it. You have no idea. You're, you're, you're lost. I mean, here, remember, remember, you're, you're an evil, evil human being, and you just want to take power in Israel. What do you do? You pray. You fast. That's what's outside. What's inside is, I want mine. Uh, the next uh, is fasting. They distort their faces so that people will know they are fasting. The, the bottom line uh, of all of these things is that Jesus is pointing out something about virtuous acts. It's um, the next thing in your note sheets. Acting virtu- virtuously in public is often a sham. It is a way to garner social status, power, and wealth. <sighs> Fortunately, we're here in the 21st century where nothing like that could ever occur. What is Mm-hmm. Little caveat to this section, I was doing my best not to offend people, but it might happen, I'm sorry. Now, this doesn't work anymore in California because now they, they make you, they make you uh, use reusable bags. Uh, now, apparently, it's 10 cents to get that plastic bag. Um, but before, imagine if you can cast your mind way back to the year 2017 when, uh, when, bags, when reusable bags were not the norm and you would uh, go to Trader Joe's and you'd walk in and there's always one person who has like these nice bags and they're kind of walking out. They got Birkenstocks on. <laughs> You're like, oh, 94? Cool, good year, good year. Uh, and they, they got their, their bags and, and, and the, these bags are made out of canvas. You can tell they spent a little money on them. And they look at you and you've got a plastic bag and they're just like, really? That's okay, You're, you don't care. I get it, it's fine. That, 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 action right there. Now, I'm not saying that if you had reusable bags, maybe um, there's lots of people who really do it just because they, they care about the, the world, and I, I don't want to, to say that that's not real. What I'm saying is that something like a reusable bag can send a message. You can do it to send a message to everyone else that says, hey, guess who's awesome, right? Guess who's better than you? I'm saving the earth one plastic bag at a time. And you're going to watch this thing burn. This is called virtue signaling. It's, uh, it's become, uh, yeah, here, virtue signaling. An attempt to show other people that you are a good person. For example, by expressing opinions that will be acceptable to them, especially on social media. Mmm. Yeah. If any of you have ever um, been on uh, Facegram or Instachat or Snapbook, uh, you, you've probably seen this. It's like, um, and maybe, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I won't use any specific examples because I'll just probably get in trouble. Nah, what the heck. All right. What's well, the next one here? Yeah, this, 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 is, uh, this is how I feel when I see you, you posting. You have been awarded two virtue points. You said something virtuous on social media and solidified your membership in a, plur- in a particular group. Good job. That's kind of how I'm starting to feel. Because I'm feeling like when I see uh, these posts on, on, on social media that it, so- it feels like people are trying to show each other 
how awesome they are. In such a way, oftentimes, that they don't really even have to do anything about it. This is our culture. This is our culture where, um, remember, being good in our culture is different than being good or, or whatever in Jesus' culture. Jesus' culture, if you want to be seen as somebody who's good, who's awesome, who's wonderful, you, um, you pray, you give alms, you fast. Here in our culture, we do things um, that are different. And, and uh, just as, a, as an exa- example, a suggestion, if you think about our culture at large, right? Think about United States culture at large. And imagine that you're just like, you're that, you're that person who doesn't care about, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in anything, you believe in you, and you want to get to the top, and you want to be rich and famous and powerful and, and have all this social status, and you want all those things, and that means that you've got to fit in with the people in Los Angeles and, and San Francisco and Chicago and New York and D.C., all of the power centers in our culture. You have to be the kind of person who looks to them like somebody who's great, Right? So here are a few things in our culture that might get you there. How do you know if somebody's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. I have some very, very awesome vegan friends. I am not, I am not knocking it. Um, and I do, I really, I have this friend from college and she's been vegan for, gosh, uh, 20 years. And, um, and she does it because she, uh, she loves animals and she feels that the way that the uh, animals are treated in our culture is, is sick. And, uh, and as a result, she um, chooses as a political statement to be a vegan. I, I don't knock that at all. She even took me to a, di- a dinner at a place called the Peaceful Dragon once. And I had an entire meal made of tofu. And then uh, after the dinner was over, I drove to McDonald's and I got a... <laughs> A meal made out of chicken nuggets. <laughs> don't, don't tell her. Uh, but, 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 you can imagine somebody who maybe really isn't even a vegan at all, but just says they are in public. I've heard this is a thing where you just, oh, I, I can't stand the way that, you know, chickens are treated at, at, by foster farms. That's why I'm vegan. Immediately, you're like, coexist. We all, uh, we all have seen and, and understand that because we live in a culture that is, is very different, lots of different types of people, we need to be people who are tolerant, right? And, and that's something that's very valued in our culture, and, and with good reason. If no, one was, if no one could let other people live, it would be constant bloody war around here. It would be nuts. So I don't think that it's wrong to, like, you know, not kill people who are a different religion for you. I think that's great. But have you noticed that sometimes... People kind of wear their tolerance as like a badge. They're like, man, I'm so open-minded. I just love everybody. I love other cultures and religions. It's just awesome. I'm into world music. Have you, have you listened to some of those African beats? They're amazing. And what about the, you know, the choir from Finland? They're, they're incredible. Have you, have you met some people a little bit like that? Yeah, you got to take a shot at the Prius, right, Tom? That's cool. Uh, here's the thing. If I had the money, I would have a Prius. Uh, the, the gas prices here in California are absurd, and I would love to have an electric car. But do you feel like sometimes there's people who have electric cars, and they're like, hey, I got an electric car because, you know, I'm trying to save the earth. I'm like, oh, well, I just wish I could afford one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really, you are great. <laughs> And then CrossFit, just got to take a shot at the health nuts. In our culture, um, 
It's so important to be healthy. Uh, people are going to, now we've discovered that if we just have the right exercise regimen and the right um, diet, we can live forever. And one of the ways that you can do that is through CrossFit. And so you, if you, if you want to be one of the people who succeeds at the highest levels of our culture, it's important to have a body that looks, you know, the way a body is supposed to look with an eight-pack and, you know, huge pecs, uh, the kind that my daughter tells me I don't have every time she sees another video on YouTube. Yeah, that's, um, so, that's, okay. So taking a shot at, you know, there's probably some people here who are like, I'm out of here, I'm never coming back. I'm just, look, guys, I, I'm not saying you're doing it for the wrong reason. I'm just saying you can understand how that might be something that people do, a way that they live in order to succeed here in this culture. But what's interesting is that um, this type of activity, it, um, it changes based on, on, on context. This is the next thing in your note sheets. Um, Virtue signaling is different in every context. What it looks like to signal to people that you're great in a church is much different than that stuff that we just put up there. If you want to win at church, well, if you've been in a church for any length of time, you can probably start to figure out all the stuff that you need to do, the things that you need to look like and all of that in order to become the person who's on top. And what Jesus is saying is, if you think that's any different than other types of virtue signaling, you're fooling yourself. So what do we do? This is the core of Jesus' teaching. Uh, it's, it's the same thing over and over. You're going to see the word repeated over and over. But let's, let's go back to the text and, and, and you'll see it. Don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. Obviously, that's hyperbolic. That's impossible. But what the goal is, is to give to the poor in secret. Secret. Uh, when we're talking about the, the next text, um, when we're talking about praying, go to your room, shut your door, pray to your father who is in that secret place. Do it in secret. In uh, fasting, as you say, when you fast, brush your hair, wash your face. Don't look like you've been fasting, but your father who's in that secret place, he'll see, he'll reward you. Jesus' teaching, um, it, bo it boils down to this. It's just one question that every person here needs to ask over and over and over again, myself included. How much less would you do if only God knew? How much less would you do if only God knew? Think about all the different contexts in your life, you know, with your family, uh, if, you're, if you're at church and a churchgoer, you know, in church, thinking about um, your work life, uh, thinking about all of the different realms that you're in, right? What, all the different roles and functions you play, all the different uh, activities and, and, and stuff that you do, what would change if only God was watching? It's a tough question because I think a lot of us uh, would like to believe that it would be exactly the same. But my gut tells me that's totally wrong. I think about um, the way that I operate in different contexts with different groups, different people, different um, 
you know, I move, as some of you know, I spend a lot of my life in academia, and the, the kind of way that I have to operate to live and survive in academia is different than the way that I operate in order to survive in my family, and not just my, my you know, uh, Aaron, me, and the girls, but my extended family. Um, every part of my life has to be a little bit different. It's like I've got these masks that I'm putting on and taking off, depending on where I'm at. I'm an actor, a hypocrite. I like to think, um, Aaron and I like to talk about uh, the difference between us you know, at home and us when we're outside of the home, right? We're out in the real world. Um, as a pastor, obviously, when I'm at home, I'm studying the Bible all the time, and uh, I mean, and praying, I'm on my knees constantly, like, I'm, I'm a super prayer, like, all the time. Yeah, no, that's not right. So yesterday, uh, just to give you a sense of my day, I woke up at uh, 9.30 or 10, um, and the entire day, I didn't step outside of the house, except, except uh, there was a part of the day where I went into the jacuzzi to warm up, you know, and just kind of sweat a little bit. The rest of the time, I was in my sweats and a wife beater t-shirt playing video games and ignoring my kids. I confess. Watched a little bit of the Warriors. It was awesome. That person uh, that's there is only kind of the same as the person that's here. And I think that's true for all of us. And, and it's not always a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not bad to have a different person. You know, different people need different things. I get that. You have roles to fill, all that. That's not bad. What is bad? What's really upsetting about that to God, the thing that God worries about, is how much of that would change if only he was watching, especially when it comes to the good things you do, when it comes to you being a decent human being. How much of your decent human beingness is motivated by trying to make this person happy or show that this person that you're such and such? How much of it is a mask that you're putting on because you want status, wealth, and power? And if it's a lot, Jesus says, here's your, here's your solution. You ask this question, and then you do four things. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, reward, right? Did you notice how Jesus kept saying, oh, you, you've got your reward? You know, you did. You achieved the status. You got the wealth. You got the power. People like you. They think you're awesome. Whatever. You've made a whole bunch of people that you hate mad. That's another thing that virtue signaling does. Way to go. You've achieved everything you set out to. And your good works have been paid in full. You have been paid. You're done. If you are actually considering getting rewarded by God in heaven, however, you have to change your operation. And this is real. This isn't, this isn't a joke. Um, there really is, and uh, our next series is going to be on rewards in heaven. It, there really is a difference for people who spend their lives asking the question, how much less would I do if only God knew? And then, and then changing the way they operate so that they become different. Let me, let me just drop through uh, the, uh, the, four, the four things here. This is how you live not for the crowd. Number one, quit. Quit, 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 quit. I am sick and tired. I am sick and tired of people doing things in the church because they need to. Because if, the church, if we don't have this, then the church is going to fall apart. You know what? This church has been here since 1967. This church is solid. 
We do not need you to do whatever it is you think that we need you to do. And, 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 and if you're doing it because, man, you look so awesome, you're so cool, quit. God will provide. He is not worried about making sure things get done. And this is the same in every aspect of your life. If you find that you are doing things simply for the status, the wealth, the power, quit. Stop doing it. That's the first thing to wean yourself off of this kind of cycle of self-promotion. Second, try it quiet. The, one of the other interesting things about the uh, three examples Jesus gave, um, giving to the poor, praying, and fasting, is they are all things that you can do in secret. Every single one of those things is something you can do in secret. When you're asking yourself, well, how much less would I do if only God knew? It might be something that can't actually be done in secret, and that's okay. We're going to talk about that in a second. But if it can, if it's something that you could do without getting any credit, without anybody noticing, you should try it and see how you feel. Ideally, you'll be like, man, I feel just as great about doing this as I did when I was getting all that glory for it. Realistically, you're like, man, this job sucks. Some things have to be public, and that's what I'm alluding to there. There are some things that you cannot do um, in private. Like, for example, Doug cannot lead the congregation in worship in private. Those are fundamentally contradictory statements. If the congregation will be led in worship, it will be done by someone in public. So there's no way that Doug can do that in private, except for maybe, you know, singing by himself, which I know he does. Uh, but, but the actual act of, of public worship is something that's public. If that's the case for whatever it is you think about, not a lot you can do. You just have to kind of figure out your motives. And then that's the, that's the thing. That's the thing that, that really ties it together. If you're doing it to be seen, if you're doing it to get stuff, the problem is, is that you're doing good for the wrong reason, and the right reason is number four. It's fall in love. If any of you have been in love, you know what a bizarre experience it is. And I mean that because human beings are naturally selfish, but when you're in love, it's bizarre what you'll do. You'll do the most absurd things. I, true story. Um, I have incredibly good taste in music. Uh, it's probably better than anyone I've ever met. And I hate to tell you the truth, but uh, my wife's taste in music is awful. It's, um, it's just brutal. It's, it's, it, it's the, it's the audio, auditory uh, equivalent of someone like drilling a hole in your eye. Uh, it's a lot, of, a lot of country music. Um, a lot of top 40. It's just, just awful. So when I was first dating Erin, I made a mission to fix her, to change her. And so I started making her, at the time we used CDs, I started making her um, CDs, mixed CDs, with good music. And I tried to find music that even someone with as bad a taste as her would recognize was good. Like I was really reaching out to try and convert her. And I noticed that she wasn't listening to any of my CDs. And in this moment of bizarre selflessness, self-forgetfulness, I did something that I will never forgive myself for. 
I made a CD, start to finish, country and top 40. Justin Timberlake, Madonna, uh, what's that guy who's on the TV, Adam Levine, and uh, Blake something, Shelton, right, okay. I, I, 13 songs. There was no reward for me. In fact, it actually made my life worse because she might listen to it while I was around. But I was willing to do it because I loved her. And it wasn't even that hard to do. Yeah, there's a voice inside me like, no! But, but I was able to quell that and do it. And it was, and it was fun. It was because you see her, she's so happy. And I'm like, oh, I love this person. She's so happy. What, what Jesus ultimately, he's like, if you take away all the external motivations, what you're going to get to is you're going to be at the place where what you really want to do is you want to please God because you love him. Because you're looking forward to the kingdom life. Because the kingdom life, you believe it, it's better than this life. And it's happening and it's coming. And you get excited about that. And so you're willing to, you know, get your hands dirty and do the stuff that no one wants to do. Why? Because you actually trust in that. Because God matters enough that, God, if you like country music, I don't understand that. But okay, here you go. I'm going to give it to you. Because I love you. And I'm excited about the world in which, you know, when we get to heaven, there's no, there's no one's going to be fronting. No one's going to be virtue signaling. No virtue signaling in heaven because everybody knows everybody. I'm, I'm looking forward to that world where it's not about me flashing my badge and showing what's up, but it's, it's me simply confronted with the glory and majesty and beauty of God and simply living and worshiping for him. If we can take ourselves to that place, it's a place that um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called self-forgetfulness. It's where you stop thinking about, you know, being conscious of yourself, and you're, you're simply given over 100% to who God is and what he's trying to do. And when you're there, you're not going to have to worry about virtue signaling because you won't care. There's going to be some times where you're doing stuff and people are like, you idiot. There's going to be other times where people are like, wow, you're amazing, and it won't make a bit of difference to you. Because it's not for you. In the meantime, how much less would I do if only God knew? This week, let that settle with you. Uh, wherever you go, um, wherever you're, whoever you're interacting with, uh, whatever you're doing, just ask that question a few times. What, how much less would I do if only God knew? And from there, begin taking these steps uh, to, to start having a spirituality and a faith that's really drawn from the love of God. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we are, we confess that we're prideful people, we are uh, pretentious people often, we're social people, we, we desire and crave approval, we seek to dominate God, we confess those things and we lay them before you. Pray, Father, uh, that we'll be free to let go of the things that we have accrued in our lives that are really not about you, but really about us and making us look good. I pray that you'll send your spirit to enlighten us, to show us what those things are, convict us, and let us let those things go. God, I pray that uh, every person here will fall in love with you. 
they will know that you have been gracious, that you've given yourself to us, that you've given new life to us through Christ, that you are good, you are beautiful, you are majesty. Your kingdom is coming, and we can begin living kingdom lives now. I pray that in that, we will have the motivation, the desire to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.